We are the people of his pleasure. You can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come, bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. For Yahweh is always good and ready to receive you. He's so loving that it will amaze you, so kind that it will astound you, and he is famous for his faithfulness towards all. Everyone knows our God can be trusted, for he keeps his promises to every generation. great shout of joy to Yahweh. Go ahead and do it, everyone, everywhere. Worship Yahweh with gladness. Sing your way into his presence with joy and realize what this really means. We have the privilege of worshiping Yahweh our God, for he's our creator and we belong to him. We are the people of his pleasure. You can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come, bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. For Yahweh is always good and ready to receive you. He's so loving that it will amaze you, so kind that it will astound you, and he is famous for his faithfulness towards all. Everyone knows our God can be trusted, for he keeps his promises to every generation. great shout of joy to Yahweh. Go ahead and do it, everyone, everywhere. Worship Yahweh with gladness. Sing your way into his presence with joy and realize what this really means. We have...
How's everybody doing? <laughs> it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. <laughs> it's, I'm laughing because I forgot I'm the one opening up service. <laughs> I went and sat down. I'm like, okay, we're ready to start. <laughs> it is good to be in God's house. Amen. And we are excited to be here. Today. It's going to be an awesome service because this is God's house. We don't come to God's house and leave empty. Amen. We are filled up. So welcome to Victory Christian Fellowship. If you're watching online, we are the people here in Palmyra, Pennsylvania. We believe that we can inherit God's promises and experience all of their benefits right here on this earth. So we want you to uh, enjoy the service today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence in this house today. We thank you, Father, that we're part of your kingdom, that we can be called your children, that you're here to meet us right where we are. And we open ourselves up today, Father, for your word, for your presence. We're here to love on you, God. And we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, let's stand together. We're going to worship this morning. If you walked in 
remember that day Put your shame away It was a prison that we couldn't escape But he came and he died and he This is our God, this is who He is, He loves us. This is our God, this is what He does, He saves us. He bore the cross, beat the grave, let heaven and earth proclaim. This is our God, King Jesus. Remember that day God This is our God, this is who He is, He loves us. This is our God, this is what He does, He saves us. He bore the cross, beat the grave, let heaven and earth proclaim. This is our God, King Jesus. Who pulled me out of that?
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for your holy presence that fills us, that fills this church. And we take this time right now, Lord, to listen to what you have to say. Oh, I am holy. I am holy. Be holy for I am holy. You are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation. You are my people. I am king of kings and lord of lords. You are king. You are lord. You reign and walk in the earth with me. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Signature worship is awesome. You all may have your seats. Feel so southern. Y'all can have your seats. <laughs> oh, it's warm up here. Okay. So today, after service, we are celebrating Pastor Nelson. He got his Bachelor's of Bible and Theology from Warrior Notes, so stay after service with us, fellowship with us. We are celebrating this wonderful accomplishment. I know, right? We got, we got a lot to celebrate this month, so just be prepared to party for the whole month, okay? Right? Okay, Thursday. Bible Adventure starts next week, so that's the program in the schools from third through fifth grade, and they come on Thursdays. Our local elementary schools come for like an hour during the school day to learn about Jesus. How awesome is that? And make connections with like other Christians and other kids. Like they need that support in the schools. So it's good that they know who they can count on, right? There will be a volunteer meeting this Thursday. So like four days from now, right? At 1 p.m. So if you are interested in volunteering, you can see Chris Frenchek or you can call the office. So they're having their meeting, get all all organized, that sort of thing, right? So they can be prepared for when the kids come next week. Also, this Friday is woven. (laughs) It has been, we've been on break for the summertime, and so I'm excited that woven is starting again. And that's this Friday at 6 p.m. We start with, like, a meal so you can come right after work, like, and don't have to worry about, like, being hungry or anything like that. Um, and it's wonderful. We have a great time. And then Dr. Fiona preaches a message. So that's women of victory. Come on out and by all the ladies that you know. And so next Sunday is book club for all the women. And we're going to be talking about Dr. Fiona's book, Removing Blind Spots for a Limitless Life. So it's going to be all focused on like breaking limits. So I'm very excited for that too. Even if you haven't read the book, come for, like, the conversation and the fellowship because we talk and apply the concepts that we've read about and what we've learned in church and how to apply them in your everyday life. And then, in two Sundays from now, we're having another celebration because Pastor Doug and Dr. Fiona will be our pastors here at VCF for 21 years. <laughs> And I am so grateful that they have been here and stuck through everything. I don't even know what all they've gone through. But I am so glad that they are here. So we are going to be celebrating that Sunday as well. And then we've been announcing this for a little while, but it's coming up faster than we realized. So at the end of October, which is just like a month and a half away, 
we have our inheritance family conference happening. So the men, normally they have their, like, men's conference, but they are dedicating their time to have a whole family conference so they can reach all the generations they are sowing their time. So we want, like, prizes. We want whole families to come out. We're just going to have, like, a blast. So you can volunteer. You, there's donations. Um, there's more details back at, like, the table where we have sign-ups. And if you have more questions, you can also call the office as well for that. So I'm excited about everything that's happening here at VCF. And I learned mathematically how you calculate power. <laughs> yeah, I got out my book about how technology works, big book. Um, and I was reading about how, like, all about power and, like, watts and, like, you know how a light bulb's got, like, 60 watts? Well, I didn't really know what that meant. So <laughs> as I was reading, it was just talking about how power is calculated. So power is calculated, and it's the amount of energy that's being converted divided by the time it takes to do that, okay? So um, where was I going with that? I was so excited I lost my train of thought. (laughs) Okay, so for the more power you want to have, right, so like nuclear power plants, they have like the most amount of power. They have like a 1,000 what's called a megawatt, which is a million watts. It's so much. It's like the most thing that I think we know that has, like, the most amount of power. And so if you want to have more power, there has to be more energy, and it has to be a shorter amount of time. Okay? That's the increase for the power. So both things have to be true at the same time. Like, that's how you exponentially increase power. Increase the energy and decrease the time. Right? Like, explosions, there's a lot of power in a short amount of time. So... I looked up energy in the Bible, and Proverbs 16.24 talks about how the word of God is energy to your soul and to your body, right? So one way to increase the power is obviously to increase in the word of God. And then the other part is decreasing the time, which is like our response to the word of God, right? So the faster that you say yes and the more word that you have in you, bam, the more power you got. I was like, it's so simple. Mathematically, I was so excited. I was like, that made so much sense, right? So for power here at BCF, right, and the power of God, the power of God is limitless because, like, time almost doesn't even exist. Like, he can even, like, put time back to yesterday. Like, it's so fast, right? So the power can always continue to increase. So I'm excited for that. So speaking of power, Pastor Nelson's going to come up and do communion. (laughs) Good morning. It's an awesome God. He is worthy to be praised. So I'm asking you to go back and get your, your bread and your juice a while. And we'll start praising him even more. Sing 
Father, we just thank you again for having such a wonderful plan that you have for us. The plan for Jesus to go to the cross. See, we are healed and we are redeemed of this. And we are delivered from the authority of darkness, Father. We thank you for we are the head and not the tail. And we are above and not be- we are above and not believe underneath, Father. And we will prosper in all things. And we praise you, Father. And we just thank you, Father, for you created the Lord's Supper for the reasons that we receive it. And the plans we bear take on everything that Jesus sacrificed and provided. He gave us salvation, peace of mind, healing, and total prosperity. And we just thank you for joining all the gifts you've given us, Father, because you made us in your image. And we praise you, Father, for such a sacrifice as the Lamb has done for us. In 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 25, said, The Lord Jesus, that same night which was betrayed, he took bread, he given thanks, and he broke it, and says, Take this and eat this, for this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take and eat. And after the same manner, as he took the cup, which he had supped from it, and saying, this is the cup, this is the New Testament, this is in my blood. This, do this as often and drink it as remembrance of me. Take and drink. Thanking you, Father, for you are wonderful indeed. And we thank you for such provision as you've given us in the blood of Jesus in his name. And we praise you for covering us and thanking you for having such a wonderful plan. You are worthy, 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 worthy. We thank you. Amen. Amen. <laughs> praise God. It's good to be in the house of God. Amen. Uh, let's do our confession. You know, at Victory here, we like to do a confession because we are saying the re- we're saying the word of God over our lives. Amen. You hear a lot of things every day. Before you came, I'm sure you heard a lot of things on the radio, on television, people talking to you. But sometimes you got to stop and say something. Amen. So that's what we're doing here with our confession. All right. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ. God the Father selected us as his own before the foundation of the world. He desires for us to be holy, consecrated, set apart for him, and blameless in his sight. The Lord revealed to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. In Christ we have received an inheritance, having been chosen according to his divine purpose, who works everything in agreement with the counsel and design of his will. When we heard the true gospel, the good news of our salvation, and believed in Jesus, we were sealed with God's Holy Spirit 
and protected by him. God made us alive together with Christ. By his grace, we are saved from God's judgment. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance, to proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. That is a good thing to say, even if you don't know if it's happening. Just say it. Amen. It just gets the devil mad anyway uh, to say it. Well, today uh, we have offering opportunity here at Victory, and thank you so much for your giving. It is a blessing uh, to this house, and it is a blessing to your life too as you give. Amen. And we give an opportunity here for you to sow into the work that God's doing around the world through this church, through the people here. And uh, we have our containers to the right and to the back anytime during, after, before, in the middle of my sermon. Like I said last time, if you need to get up and stretch, you may need to punch a wall. We don't know yet what today's going to be about. <laughs> Whatever it is, just put an offering in there. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, I, we really, Pastor Doug and I, and of course uh, the people here at the church, we certainly appreciate um, God's blessings to us. Amen. And that your ability to sow. The first time I preached after Pastor left, I said, you know, the people who are who are natural givers don't like to hear when everybody's telling them to give. But we do that for the people who aren't natural givers. <laughs> you who like to give, you already planned your giving. That's awesome. We like that. But, you know, there's some people that need a little bit of convincing of why they have to give. Well, the update on Pastor Doug, this is a good reason to give to. He is currently in Hyderabad. Yes, I said that correctly. It is, the, it is completely different than where he was. This is his last, um, his last week of teaching. He's already preached today. Uh, today. This is nighttime now there. And uh, he preached for the church that is close to the school. I don't know that they're the same. It's just a pastor there. And... Um, and this area is where uh, a lot of the American companies have their warehouses and their uh, call centers, and this is that area. Um, and so it is different. It's 10 million people in that area. So he said the traffic is tremendously different. <laughs> and the food there is spicier than where he was. That was of note. Our understanding is uh, the, the previous pastor, the previous teacher, the previous school prepped him well so that he would know what he's coming into. Um, they used the red chili peppers there. In the previous location, they used the green chili peppers. <laughs> so I imagine that makes a difference in the heat. And he told me, yes, it does. It makes a difference in the heat. But he was able to handle it. It catches you right here instead of in the mouth. So once you got used to that, he's good. Uh, <laughs> and um, this school has, I think, uh, 20 some students. The last school had 40 some. But he is going to start teaching tomorrow, which will be in a few hours for him. And he'll be doing five hours a day uh, for the five days of this week. He did five hours a day last week. And so he's teaching two subjects. Uh, forgot the first one, but the second one is hermeneutics. Hermen 
yeah, that word. Uh, so I think he's teaching about the grace of God at this school. So in the morning he does a subject, and then in the afternoon he does a different subject. So it's a little bit different than the other school. But either way, he's preaching. He's teaching 50 hours, I believe, this week, or something like that. Maybe 25 hours. I don't know. He's a teacher. He loves doing it. It just he has to rest. <laughs> he goes to bed early. <laughs> And, um, of course, at this point in the trip, we're both missing each other a lot, so we're just counting the days. I don't know how Jimmy, uh, I don't know how Billy Graham and his wife did it, but God bless them. Um, they had to write letters, I imagine. We get to see each other. I don't know if that's better or worse. <laughs> but um, he will be flying from there to come straight back instead of going throughout in India um, so that's good. He's got a 10-hour flight, his first leg, and I don't know how many hours the second. So next Sunday, we go get him. Amen? So keep Pastor Doug in your prayers. Uh, this is a new area of that country that he's not been in that area before. So this is good. We've ex- we're expanding. He'll be meeting with a pastor tonight from another area with this pastor. He's connecting them as well. So this is good. And uh, God's doing something there. I don't know if you've been watching the news but there's been a lot of talk about that country, and there's a lot of things prophesied about that country. So we're right, right smack that middle in what God's doing. Amen? And you're a part of it. You are part of it right here at Victory. So thank you for doing that, and thank you for uh, keeping him in, in your prayers. Amen? Do we have some kids for kids' life today? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Thank you. <laughs> so let's dismiss our kids. have a great class amen and now it says i should preach so this is good i do everything until i get to the point where it says i can preach Uh, (laughs) i want to read something this was tongues and interpretation from air force that was yesterday nine nine was yesterday right because i think today's the 10th and i chuckled last night when i saw it because I was reviewing my notes for our message today, and it says, uh, My love has been poured out on you like oil, like liquid gold. My love is like a sword in your hand. My love protects you. My love wraps around you like a shield. Love never leaves you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. So the title of my message today is Loving God. I just thought it was very interesting that That was what the Holy Spirit was speaking to our young people here yesterday. And Pastor Doug preached on how much God loves us in his message today in India. So I do believe there's a theme here (laughs) that we should all lean into (laughs) and consider as we continue our walk with God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you, Father, for your word that goes out. It goes forth with power and authority. We thank you, Lord, that your word is above every other word. Any other word we can hear, any other word we can say, your word has the highest place. And it is in that place that we put your word today as we uh, come together as your body. So I speak right now, Father, that you will show us something we've never seen. Let us hear something we've never heard. Let us have revelation we've never had from your word today. Father, I declare in this place and in the sound of my voice that no other voice gets to speak 
with authority like the voice of the Holy Spirit. Every other voice, every other spirit must be silenced. But the voice of Holy Spirit has the preeminence here. And so we thank you, Holy Spirit, for moving in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the title today I said, you know, is Loving God. And I, originally I, I titled it God I Love You, but I thought that's a little bit selfish. So I'll just say Loving God so everybody can be included, right? Because I was thinking about my life, and I've been a Christian since I was in my mother's womb. Actually, I went to Bible school in my mom's womb. And that's probably why I never went to Bible school here while I was <laughs> went to the other schools. It was a Christian college. I got a minor in Bible, but I never really went to Bible school. Because I, I went to Bible school with my mom <laughs> before I came out. And it was in a whole different country. It was even a foreign Bible school. It was in Jamaica. That's where I got my name. Um, and what happens when you, are, when you grow up as a Christian and, and for, the, for the kids that are growing up in Christian homes, if you're not careful, you can become so familiar with your relationship with God that you forget to build a personal relationship with God. You may end up having a family relationship with God. And so today I want us to strip away all the things other people told us about God and find out what we really believe about God. Like what we think about. When you think about God when nobody's preaching, what do you think about God? And I want us to get to the place where we love God above every single person on the planet. And we may think we do, but you have to examine yourself to see if you really do. So I was thinking about this all weekend, and I was thinking, uh, you know, I love my husband very much, and I love my children very much, and you don't talk bad about my husband or my children and have me just stand there and smile. It's not going to happen. So, but they... The love I have for them does not compare to the love I have for God. Because God, I will drop all of them for God. That's who I am with my relationship with God. Nothing that my husband, that Pastor Doug does, or my children do will ever take me away. They they cannot have a request of me that requires me to put God under them. I refuse to do it. I refuse to do it my whole life. No relationship have I ever had that I've thought about this person and replaced them with God. It just is not who I am. And it's because I knew God from a young age. Many of you may not have had that experience in your life because you came to God at a later age. But I'm telling you, the position that God needs to have in our life needs to be so far above everybody else that when he asks us to do something, we don't even think about the other people. This is how much we need to separate our love for God and our love for people and things. We have to have such an expanse that God has no reason to be jealous. Because the Bible says he is a jealous God. So, I, to protect my family and the closest ones to me, not that God is going to do something to them, but my point is to keep all of my relationships in proper alignment 
My love for God has to exceed everything else that's basically out of this world. Okay? So, so I, I'm setting this up in this way. So I'm not just telling you how to look at God's good qualities and say, oh, yeah, I think I could love him because of that. This is like we need to love God, period. And if you need convincing, that's what this message will help you with. But frankly, I think we should just decide that's what we're doing. <laughs> right? But, hey, I get it. I understand. I grew up in this, and I know, you know, God and I have been having chats for a long time. So let's start with Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. And if you saw how I have my notes today, I have to just tell you, this is the funniest thing you probably have ever heard in your life. My notes are written like a song. Because I figured I sing... And I can follow the song without missing a line. So I thought, if God wants me to share things with you in order for me not to miss a point that I want to share with you, I have literally written the song, the the message in verse 1, chorus 1, verse 2, chorus 2. So you're going to get the whole thing today. I won't won't skip out on anything. (laughs) I know that might be strange to you, but it's working for me. So we have here in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, I'm doing it in the Amplified Bible. It says, just as in his love, he chose us in Christ. So in his love, he chose us in Christ, actually selected us for himself as his own before the foundation of the world so that we would be holy, that is, consecrated, set apart for him, purpose-driven, And blameless in his sight, in love. My point for this scripture is that God loves you so much that he created plans that are fine-tuned for who you are and what you're capable of doing. He created them before he created the foundations of the world. The reason this world exists is because God loves you and me. That's why it exists. And God always wants to have a relationship with us and not a relationship with us while we're living here. He wants to have an eternal relationship with us, a forever relationship with us. We are just starting that relationship here. But it's going to keep going on forever. Amen? Um, People receiving your gifts, abilities, and anointing of God on your life is not contingent on people liking or loving you. (laughs) But it is because God loved you and chose you before you could choose him. So when God puts something inside of us, the gifts and abilities he's put inside of us, it comes with the attraction, which is the anointing, to allow people to benefit from it, even if they don't like the person delivering the message. Shocking, isn't it? That process is done through love. It cannot occur through any other way but love. So this way, so let me explain this to you, how this works. If you are not walking in love when you are doing something with your gift, 
and, and the, the abilities that God put in you, then you are not able to deliver that thing in God's, uh, with God's anointing. Let me put it that way. The love of God and the anointing in your life, they go hand in hand. You cannot just uh, mistreat people and think that God will just like show up whatever you decide. Now, God will work in an environment because he needs to for somebody that's there, but it's in spite of you, not because of you. I want to be in relationship with God where things could happen because of me, not just in spite of me. And this is a way, this is something that we all grow in. It's not like you just come out and go, oh, God's doing something because of me. He's not doing it because I'm so great, but I want him to be able to trust me so he could do it that way. You understand what I'm saying? I don't want him to have to do it in spite of me. You know, that's good and all. He's still getting the glory. He will always get the glory. But I want him to do it because he trusts me to do what he's asked me to do. The thing that uh, Melissa shared today is so awesome. Because think about this. Power, when God gives you an instruction, it has power in it. It has his word of power in it. Your delivery of it and your execution of it, it, the, the potency of that is highly, highly dependent on your speed of saying yes. This is why some people can just do things, God has, and they are like powerful when they do, because they said yes right away. Look at Mary, the mother of Jesus. I pointed her out before. She said yes. She did not go ask permission to say yes. The way you know the, the depth of your love for God in reference to the next person you love the most is do you hesitate saying yes to God because you have to get permission from somebody else. If you're, if you're doing that in your life, you are in jeopardy because the gap that you have, the, the, the permission road that you've created with man is the road where the devil can escort you back and forth to your instructions, to, to, to agreeing with the instructions from God. Do you see? That's your partner in mind logic stuff. Are you getting this picture? But if you and God are having a conversation and he says, I want you to do this, before you leave the conversation, say yes. So that he can set everything else up. God's not going to punish you when you say yes. The devil is going to attack you, but God has protection for you. Because he loves you. God loves you. He loved you first, but I'm getting ahead of myself. If we go to 2 Thessalonians 2.13, uh, it says here, uh, this is 2 Thessalonians, again, it's the Amplified. This is just verse 1, by the way, of my song, my sermon song. I don't know what key I'm singing it in, but... (laughs) The key of love. <laughs> it says here, but we, do we have it up? Yeah. But we should, 
and are morally obligated as debtors always to give thanks to God for you. This is uh, the apostle talking about the people that God has put in their care. Believers beloved by the Lord because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through the sanctifying work of the spirit that sets you apart for God's purpose. And by your faith in the truth of God's word that leads you to spiritual maturity. So God, as far as God is concerned, every human born on the earth, he set apart for salvation. So that they can start their love relationship with him. He already loved us. John 3.16 tells us this. He loved us. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came to repair what was broken so that we could have this eternal relationship with God. And before Jesus came, God didn't wait. He put things in place to still allow us to have a relationship with him. Okay? The devil punishes people when they're in relationship with him. He punishes them if they don't do what he says. He punishes them if they... Do you see what Pharaoh did to the children of Israel? They were working for him as slaves. He never paid them, but then he had to, right? But he punished them when the revelation of freedom was revealed. When Moses came to free them, Pharaoh punished them. What did he do? Instead of providing what they needed to build what they were building for him, for free, by the way, He now told them they still had to build in the time that they had to build, but they had to create the thing that built the thing. You know what I'm talking about? So they still won. They still did it. Because the instruction of freedom that came to them came with that empowerment that they could do before the scripture was written for us. They could do all things through Christ. Jesus didn't even come yet. But when God speaks, His instruction carries the power. So we get to say yes without any hang-ups. If you have hang-ups of saying yes to God, you are being led by the spirit of fear. At this point, it's probably holding your hands and caressing it. Oh, don't worry, honey. You'll be all right. God didn't mean for you to do that. Just think about it. What's it going to do to your family? How's it going to do your job? What's it You have to create an atmosphere around you where the spirit of fear runs when you show up. If it's operating in another person, they shut it down when they speak to you because they know they can't talk to you like that. You walk with such a... When you say yes to God, the power of God is on you to protect your yes to his instructions. But while you're thinking about it and deciding if you're going to do it, you are wide open to the devil's side of a story. When Eve heard the serpent speak something other than the instruction she knew, she should have shut it down right there. Jesus did it when Peter pulled him aside. I talked about this, I believe, on Wednesday. When Peter pulled him aside to discuss how he's not going to go to the cross, he said, get thee Behind me, Satan. Because Jesus loved God. And his love for God meant he would go to the cross. 
And so when somebody is explaining how he doesn't have to do that, there's another way. He told the person, get thee behind me, Satan. Do you see? When we love God, we respect his plans wherever he sends us. So obedience is the number one factor. It's the fruit of our love for God. People will see obedience in our lives and know that we love God. Because we obey him above every other. We, to love God means your conversations with people don't involve discussing what God asked you to do in a questioning way. It involves discussing what God asked you to do with people who can help it move along. So you become the agent for that assignment. So like when Pastor Doug was going, you know, to make these trips, he presented it to you to participate, but whether you participated or not, he was still going to go. Do you see what, do you see how that works? Now, whenever somebody gets an instruction from God and they start doing it and you get wind of it and you can help, it's in your best interest to help. Because you are now tag teaming with somebody who is obedient to God and, and that shows your love for God also. Think about this. Because we're showing which family we have an allegiance to. The family of God. It's our family. But the devil has messed up relationships so bad on the earth, and then he broadcasts it for everybody to see what a model looks like for a relationship, that people get confused about what their relationship with God should look like. Let me tell you, there's nothing on this earth that, has a fra- that can give us a frame of reference for what our relationship with God should look like. Because in some cases, when you... The relationship with you and God is one where you obey. He speaks and you obey. That's what it is. The best relationship you can have with God is that he says something and you say yes. Now think about that in the world system. Think about, think about how that sounds. Right? That sounds like you have an authoritarian leader. Right? Where you don't get input. But we have free will. We do get input. The problem that we're not used to is, the thing we're not used to is this. God already knows the highest way. So when he's going to give you something, he's not going to give you a, God doesn't negotiate with you in the sense like, well, I'll give them this, I'll give them part of the thing. And let's see how they do. And then if they negotiate with me, I'll give them a higher one. He, he, every good and perfect gift, right? It comes from him. It doesn't come from any other source. So when God gives us something, it is the best already. We don't have to negotiate. You see? So this is when you love God, you build a relationship with God based on those concepts of who God is. Now, God will never make you do something because it's against his will to go against your will. So if you're waiting, you know, there are some cultures where uh, when a boy likes a girl, her first response to him has to be like, (laughs) like, and push him away. That's so silly, but besides the point. And because if she just like says yes right away, then what kind of girl is she? Right? Because like, really? The first guy that comes up? Yeah. Well, 
You see how all those things are set up for you to like not say yes the first time? This is why your relationship with God and with people is so vastly different. That there are, there's, there's no space. Um, I don't know how else to explain this. There is no uh, gap of God's love for you. There's nobody between you and God. Let's put it that way. When God is loving you, it is a personal relationship with you. He doesn't take other people's input to decide how much he should love you. His response of love to you is directly related to your response of receiving his love. It doesn't matter what other people tell him about you. He knows you so well that in the moment he, can, he knows if it's a truth or a lie. So he doesn't have to investigate how much you love him. He knows. Amen? So everybody's so quietly looking at me in shock, I imagine. <laughs> but do you see what I'm trying to explain to you today? I want you to separate your love relationship with God from every other person, animal, or thing in your life. They should not even compare. They should not compare. Abraham was willing to give up his one and only son because God asked him to. And this is what, this, this is the, this is the, and he's listed in Hebrews 11. As, and, and we know that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we know the people God put in Hebrews 11 is an example of people who please God. They did it before Jesus came. Think about this. The people listed in Hebrews 11 didn't have Jesus. They had God. And they obeyed God. They did things that were never, ever done before. My question for you is, when God says something to you or asks you to do something who are you looking to to see if it's ever been done? Like, are you thinking, well, I can't do that. It's never been done. Do you, are you looking for something to compare it to? How can God, in, in uh, Daniel chapter 1132, let's go to that one. I want to show you this. It's not in my notes, but we'll go to it. You guys all right? Daniel 1132. The question I have for you is, in the records of eternity, next to your name, what do you want to be listed as the things you did for God? If we stripped everything else away and there just had to be a record of your answers to God, what would be the percentage of obedience right would you be the example that god shows of who not to be like <laughs> you understand what i'm saying you're going to go to heaven don't worry about it guys we're all going to heaven if you receive jesus you're going to heaven <laughs> i'm here to talk to us about while we're here all right eleven <laughs> thirty-two. um with smooth words of flattery and praise, he will turn to godlessness those who are willing to disregard the covenant. But the people who are spiritually mature and know their God will display strength 
and take action to resist. And go to the King James of that. I want to show you what the King James says. Because I like the word the King James uses. At the end there, does it say exploits? They who know their God, they will do exploits. I love that word, exploits. I guess it's close to the word explosion. They will do exploits for God. When people hear your testimonies, they need to be like, whoa. This is what, this is the response. In your field that God created you to be in, your track that you're running, when people hear the testimonies coming from that track, they should be like, wow. Like, did you hear what such and such? Did you hear? Yes, that's who we are, all of us. Every single one of us there aren't supposed to be these superstars in the in the kingdom and then there's those peasants no we're all royalty i talked about this on wednesday or something do you understand i'm only in verse one guys of my song all right um i have a scripture here La- uh, lamentations 3 to 23 but let's look at verse 22 you can read the context um, and it says here, it is, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassion fails not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Now, if you took those words and applied it to the person that is your number one love of a human being on earth. Could you say they are this every second of every day in their relationship with you? Probably not. I mean, they might just like not be one day. And then the next day they could be. Do you understand? But this is, God is this way all the time. Every time. This is who God is. And people are having a problem loving God. Because they think he's doing things he's not doing. Right now, my messages from the time I started preaching since Pastor Doug left to now to when he comes back, I I want you to get here's what I want you to pick up. I want you to pick up that you're serving the greatest God ever, ever, ever. And the second thing is you need to be confident that that's who you're serving. So when somebody comes to push against it, you don't move. And you don't get defensive about it because you have no fear concerning the matter that you know. And understanding that there's still more you don't know, but what you know is so good that it can't move you. Do you see? The devil comes to tell you you don't know enough. Who do you think you are to tell people about God when you yourself can't even figure it out? Well, you have figured it out, haven't you? You're going to heaven. You know that much. And let them know, I'm just trying to get you to buy a ticket for yourself, which you buy it by saying, yes, I receive. I can't buy it for you. If I could, I would, but I can't. It's been paid for, but you've got to pick it up yourself. Do you see? It's, it's, it's um, biometrically conditioned for you to pick it up in order for it to work for you. Right? So you can't pick up somebody else's ticket for them and hand it to them at the last moment. Hey, let's go. Come on. Come up with me. No, no that's not going to work. Um, this song in Guyana, they would sing, um, 
you can't go to heaven with all these ungodly, unscriptural things. You can't go to heaven with a mini skirt. Seriously? I said, do you know that some people are going to be in the shower when they go to heaven? <laughs> like when heaven comes, when Jesus is ready, to, they're going to be in the shower. So I'm not sure the mini skirt theory just went out the door. And then for the girls, I mean, the whole song was against women, by the way. You can't go to heaven with makeup on. Like, really? <laughs> wow. You know, you can't go to heaven with, I don't forget, what else? Oh, I, didn't, I wasn't there for that era. They changed some of the words. <laughs> but there were so many rules about what you, how you, you, you just go to heaven and you say, Jesus, t- you know, yes, I received. That's how you go to heaven. Like, yeah. it's how you live on earth. I used to tell my dad, I said, Dad, do you realize that so many women are going to hell in Diana because the church thinks that you can't wear makeup or jewelry. And so women stay out of the church that do those things because they don't feel like they could qualify to be a Christian. And he said, I know. So he used to buy us makeup and jewelry. and We'd wear it in the house. (laughs) He would always break all the man's rules, but he didn't do it publicly because it would mess up the entire church and that would cause more chaos. So it was some, he was very wise in that. So, so us, the girls, we'd wear lip gloss. We'd have shiny, shiny lips. Because <laughs> you couldn't wear color. If you put color on your lips, you're sitting. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Could you believe, I grew up in that trend right there. I had to be plain as day. No jewelry, no makeup, nothing. And still I had the boys coming after me. God bless them. But because of my dad, I used to use him as an excuse all the time. They all thought my dad would say no. My dad would be like, Fiona, I think that guy likes you. Yes, dad, but let's keep it like you don't like him. This is going to work for me. So, <laughs> But every culture you go to, they have a different thing that they do to honor God. And you have to be careful to not measure your relationship with God based on whether you do those things or don't. We do the things of the culture to not cause chaos from the message that we want to deliver. You understand? So it's better. You remember when Joseph was taken from prison? He didn't go before. And they were in a hurry. You know, the king wants you. You got to come now. But he said, wait. So he went and took a shower. <laughs> he shaved. He put on the proper clothing, which was not his clothing. It's not his style. He put on Egyptian clothing to go before the, uh, the king. Right. So there are times when we have to um, be because we are the messengers that God has here for the thing he wants to do. So we present ourselves so that we can have favor with man. Jesus grew in favor with God and with man. He started that growth. They said recorded from the age of 12 when he went back and he was subject to all things that his parents taught him. And he grew in wisdom and he grew in in favor with God and man. Do you see? So there is a growth process that we go through, but in all of our growth, we cannot grow away from our love for God. We can't grow so high that now our love for God is like default. It's standard, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm a preacher's kid. Yeah, I know all about that. Like, yeah, I grew up in church. I was born in church. Yeah, yeah. Like nothing somebody could tell us is like of any use, you know, because like, you know, I know it. When we would travel with my dad, with my parents, he was the overseer for the denomination that we were part of. And we would travel every Sunday. We go to a different church. So every time we went to a church, they thought that us as kids would know everything. So whatever my dad was preaching, we would already know. 
So I said to my dad one day, you know, you realize that these people think we already know the whole Bible, everything about it, everything about God. Like, seriously. Like, and he said, uh, my dad was so wise, he would say, well, Fiona, you have to decide. Like, you build your relationship with God. It doesn't matter what they think. It's what you get. I was like, yeah, that is a good point. So when I needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, um, it was a Sunday night. My dad was preaching a message at a church about being filled with the Holy Spirit. So he made an altar call for people to come up to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, come with evidence of speaking, I'm come up to the altar call. So I'm sitting in the pew with my mom and my little siblings around me, and I got my head down like this, and I go, well, God, here's the deal. I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. But if I go up to the altar, all these people are going to be like, how come your own child isn't filled with the Holy Ghost and you think you could help us to be filled with the Holy Ghost? I'm having this conversation with God just like that. And so, you know, God, if my dad, you know, I don't want to embarrass the ministry and you and blah, and I'm talking, and then all of a sudden I start speaking in tongues. I went, oh, thanks. (laughs) You see? So (laughs) that's how I got filled with the Holy Spirit was me having a conversation with God about the fact that I would like to go and receive, but the, point, the cultural problem we got here is blah, 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 blah. I mean, isn't that amazing? Yeah. So I was developing my relationship with God without realizing what I was doing. I was trying to find my own relationship with God, even though it was a given that I'm already in, you know. So if you're not careful... If you have been in church for a while, if you grew up in the church, the devil could make you be just defaulting the whole thing. And your relationship with God is at a stagnant level. But there's so much more that he wants to show you and that he wants to do with you that nobody knows about. Are you getting this today? You guys are a little quiet. I'm a little concerned. But God loves me. (laughs) All right, we're in chorus one now. We've gone through verse one. It's finished. Chorus one, folks. (laughs) God loves us so much that while we were on the earth, he still watched over the, the details for us. These are some of the details that God watched. While we're living here, God's watching over these details, whether you have a clue or not. This is the thing. God's loving us when we are clueless. We, God is like loving on us and we're just like, yeah, wish somebody would love me. And he's like, here I am. I've been here since the beginning of time. Before that, actually. And he loves us, right? This is, I want you to think about this. Does your closest love on this earth Know how many hair you have on your head. They may know a patch has been missing recently. (laughs) They may be able to say, wow, there's some thinning going on here. (laughs) But they couldn't even tell you how much of it's missing, right? (laughs) But they just kind of have an idea that something's going on (laughs) that hasn't happened before. But, But do you know that God knows how many here? Look at this. In um, Luke chapter 21, verse 18. I'm going to give you that reference so you can go look it up. Sometimes we got to look at how much God loves us in his word. And not wait for some feeling or experience. We got to find it in the Bible, what he talks about us. And the people who know their God, 
They're the ones that do exploits. You know why you do exploits? Because you can develop that nuclear power result when God gives you an instruction. You know why? Because you don't have a time lapse to say yes. You just do boom, yes. I mean, could God stop you mid-journey to make to, to do a, a detour, to do something for him that somebody else might be waiting five days to give an answer and it needs five minutes? Could he do that with you? Can he say mid, you know, can, you know, when God started teaching me how to listen to his voice and the Holy Spirit to do those types of things, I would be coming to church from home. Now we've been here, now it's going to be 21 years, you know, next week or two weeks or whatever. So we, we have a route, you know, I mean, you just kind of get in the car and you get here. You're like, oh, what route did I take today? Well, I'm not sure, but I got here, right, safely. But I've had cases where God would say, Fiona, I don't want you to go there this way today. I want you to go the other way. Go this way instead. Okay. So I would do it. Well, when we do things like that, we're expecting that we'll hear something, you know, like either there was an accident and we avoided it or something. And then so I got to church the one day. I remember this. I got to church the one day and um, I said, oh, Lord, you know, thank you for warning me. So I go a different way. And he goes, warning you about what? I was like, well, I mean, you told me to take a different route. There obviously was going to be something. He goes, no, I'm training you. I'm training you for obedience so you can do whatever I ask you to do without knowing why or expecting to see visible results. You see? So sometimes, so don't, the devil will come tell you it was a waste of time to listen to an instruction from God because you didn't see anything happen. But that's from hell. Hell is always looking for something. God already saw the thing and he's bringing it to you. He already saw it, right? He already saw that my obedience then may have something to do with my future. So he was training me then that I could be mid-activity and boom, redirect. Because I know the difference with the noises around me and the voice of God inside of me. This is everybody's opportunity. And it starts with your love relationship with God. That's where it starts with. In other words, it comes through that relationship. It's a safe frequency between you and God. It's, an on, it's a channel that you can hook up to that you could be sitting next to somebody and they don't know that you're having that conversation. I mean, isn't that special? Yeah. Like for the people who are married, you could be in a room with a, a hundred people and look up and see each other and do some kind of facial or eye twitch or whatever and you know what the other person's saying without saying a word. I mean, I think everybody's been there at some point if you've been married. Hopefully, if you're not, you need to get it back. <laughs> Pastor Dell and I are staring at each other on the screen because Josiah is next to me having this conversation. We're just grinning. (laughs) So, anyway, we know what that means. But uh, Luke 21, 18, did did we go there? That's, but not of your hair, a hair of your head shall be lost um, because they're numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows there's a big push if you watch commercials today there's a big push where a family is sitting around the table and the children are treated less of less status and with less care than the animal did anybody notice that yeah the animals take precedent over the children 
I find that disturbing because the devil has set out to put the value of a human under the value of an animal. We were given dominion over animals. Do you understand? So as a child of God, that should be an alarming thing that comes off that says, huh, the devil is going to be telling people, now, now it's, it's not enough that you're not good enough. Now you're not as good as a dog. Think about this. You're not as good as whatever other a cat. I, the first commercial that alarmed me to it was where the, the, the lady who presumably is a mother is downstairs in the living room and her child is saying that they had a cut, they fell or something, and they had a cut and they're bleeding. And she is too preoccupied petting the animal and telling the kid, oh, use two band-aids instead of one. That's alarming. That's how the devil treats humans. You see? You know why? Because the humans are the ones with the free will. The animals are controllable. Right? The animals were created to be controlled. But humans were created to not be controlled. So you want to be careful in your own house that you don't fall prey to that spirit that is roaming around the earth seeking whom he may devour. Your house should have standards of who is higher than whom. Humans are higher than any other animal, any other thing, any created thing, any manufactured thing. Humans are higher. Amen? All right. Now, in the other thing that God says about us, is that we are the apple of his eye. And you could write this down. Zechariah 2.8 is where it talks about that in one instance. There's more. But the, other, the meaning of to be the apple of the eye is to be cherished as the most cherished thing. That's the gist of the meaning of apple of the eye. Right? So, so if you touch, if the God is saying, if you touch one of us, you're touching the apple of his eye. We are considered cherished in the eyes of God. So much so, that's why Jesus came. Right? So do you realize that there's such a love for you and me that God is watching over our breath? He knows what our breathing is. He know, I, I had to get a... Um, I had that situation happen with my eyes, I think back in 2006, this right eye, where... Something burst in the back of my eye. And so I was seeing all these floaters. I never saw a floater in my life. I didn't know what, I was swatting these gnats away while I was doing a job interview for an associate. So I'm sitting there, I'm doing this interview, and I'm saying to the person, oh, I'm so sorry. I don't know where all these gnats are coming from. And they're looking at me, right? They're like, okay. So I'm like swatting these gnats, right? I'm finished with the interview, and I'm walking down the hall, and I'm thinking... These gnats are still following me. <laughs> then I go, wait a minute. I don't think they're gnats. I think there's something else. So there's an eye center in the store. So I went to the, I said, listen. She goes, oh, let me look at the back of your eye. It might be floaters. I said, floaters? What are floaters? She looked at the back of my eye. She said, honey, you need to go right away to a doctor. There's blood all over the back of your eye. Like something popped and there's just pouring into your eyes. And I went, oh. So... <laughs> She set up an appointment with me with the doctor, and 
they they looked at the back of my eye and everything else and they're like wow this has never happened to somebody so young this is like what happens to people when they get older and they're so we don't you i don't know you must be under a lot of stress yeah the devil was trying to kill me is what he was doing but so (laughs) so one of the things they did was they wanted to make sure my arteries weren't blocked in my body so in order to do that they sent me for a sonogram of my veins and the sound, they, I, so I'm, li, I'm listening, I said, what are you doing? They said, well, if we hear an interruption in the beat, we'll know there's a blockage somewhere. So they put, I said, turn it up, I want to hear it. So they put that thing on there, and you could hear this rhythm of how my blood is flowing through my body. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that sounds like music, like a drum beat. They go, yeah, I guess if you put it that way, it does. I said, oh. Our bodies are worshiping God. This is what the scripture is saying. Like we're, we are a temple of the Holy Ghost. We can send up praises to God. So when we take care of our bodies and there's no, there's no um, blockage, you know, nothing's, nothing's hindering the beat. He's getting, so God ha, God's listening to us. He's looking at us. God is inspecting you so closely that he knows how many hair came out of the hairbrush this morning, folks. Think about this. If you're sitting in your seat and one of your hair fall off your head while you're sitting there, he knows. Of billions of people, God cares about each person's hair on their head. I mean, come on, folks. You don't just do that for anybody. That's the type of detail you know about somebody you love. Right? You know, people who love each other, they know the the favorite food. They know how the person likes their coffee. They know, I mean, think about this. And they know what makes a person upset, right? The devil has pointed and painted pictures of God that he gets mad at certain things. Well, does he? Does he get mad at you for those things? Or does he get mad at the devil for those things? Think about it. So the devil is trying to paint his relationship with God to you to say you have that same relationship i don't think i would ask pastor doug to do something super important for me if i was mad at him i just wouldn't even bother i'd wait till i chill out and think he's worthy <laughs> that thing. well do you think god would give us exploits to do if we keep thinking that he is the sorcerer the devil points him out to be Think about it's those who know their God. They're the ones that do exploits. So what wattage of love do you have with God? What light bulb can he, which room can he light up with you? (laughs) That's the question. And it's all based on your love relationship with him. Not Not how much anointing you have. Your anointing is directly related to your relationship with him because those who know their God. They're the ones that do exploits. The exploits will come through the anointing he's put in your life. Do you see how that works? You know, when I, when I sing, when I do worship, I refuse to say a word that I would not tell God. I refuse to describe him in a way that would make him look bad. Like even a little bit. I, sometimes I sing and we change words a lot that we don't even know what the original says half the time because... You probably don't either because you're singing. (laughs) But sometimes even then in that moment, I would see a word on the page and I'd be like, I don't want to say that today. That's not what I want people to know about God. So I'll say something else in the moment. Because whether I say it undertone or I say it out loud, 
It's going into the atmosphere. It's a frequency. You ever walked into a room and people stop talking? <laughs> does, that, does that give you like a good feeling? You're like, huh. Because they've been talking bad about you the whole time. And the frequency is in the air. And you walk in and you can pick up on it. Right? That brings a lot of stress and distress. God doesn't do that to us. But the devil says that to us. All right. Now, Job chapter 2 verse 9. I'll just give you this and you can write it down. But the devil wants you to curse God and die. Whenever something bad happens in your life that the devil orchestrated, he, his messengers will tell you, why don't you curse God and die? But they won't tell you it that way. They'll say, why don't you stop doing what God asked you to do? Because that's when all the problems started. <laughs> maybe, it, maybe it wasn't God. Maybe it was something else. Well, here's a good thing to know. Go to Genesis chapter 3. And verse, we'll start from verse 9. You guys good? Genesis chapter 3 and verse 9. I'm going to go there myself, actually. But the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Was this before or after Adam sinned? After Adam sinned, right? Did Adam call out to God? Uh uh-uh. uh. God came and was calling out to Adam. Right? Uh, and he said, this verse 10, I heard the sound of you walking in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. Before God asked where Adam was, did he ever said anything to him? Did he ever do anything to him? Did God come and take away all the trees and told Adam, you're never going to eat from this day forward? Uh-uh. Did lightning strike him and Eve right when they took a bite? Woo! Lightning. Did any of that happen? No. Okay. God said, who told you that you were naked? Because God didn't tell them they were naked. The whole time that they were having that conversation with God after they sinned, God never... God saw them when they were naked before they knew they were naked. And it wasn't a problem for him. <laughs> when God created them... He created them naked. Okay? But there was no shame in their nakedness between them and God when they were having their daily conversations until the devil interrupted it. Okay? And and then God said, Have you eaten of the fruit from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? In other words, did you disobey an instruction? Okay? And the man said, Oh, I didn't do it of my own self. The woman whom you gave to me, she gave me it. And I ate it. So he has, at the end, he had the answer. But he had to explain himself before that. Right? Then the Lord God, and, 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 and let's stop here for a minute. How much has the devil used that against women? Did God say, oh, well, Adam, we must deal with her. The two of us together must deal with this woman. It's obvious that the woman has an issue with obe- obeying me. Not you, Adam. You, she made you disobey me. 
Oh, poor Adam. (laughs) What have I done to you? By making things good for you, what have I done? Before you had her, you weren't good, but maybe I made a mistake. When I said, it's not good for you to be alone. I I messed up, Adam. I'm so sorry. No! (laughs) But isn't that how the devil paints the picture? So when men and women are together, there is this there is this program running at the back of husbands' minds that they have to second-guess their wives' ideas and suggestions because she could be wrong because the first one was. Well, if your house doesn't have God as the head over your head, then yeah, she is susceptible to all kinds of stuff. But if you set things up right, you don't have to worry about that. (laughs) Just sit that there for, you know, that's a side note. Oh boy, it's so quiet in here. (laughs) Then the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And now she learned from the guy. She's like, wait a minute. When he said I did it to him, let me put the next, let me, you know. So the Lord, and then she said, and the woman said, the serpent beguiled and deceived me, and I ate from the forbidden tree. So the end result is I ate. Whatever happened in between doesn't matter. The fact is they ate. And the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed. And he goes on. Now, uh, let's go to verse uh, 17. Then to Adam, the Lord God said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten fruit from the tree about which I command you, saying you shall not eat of it. The ground is now under a curse because of you. In sorrow and toil, you shall eat the fruit of your labors all the days of your life, both thorns, thistles, everything and all that. Right. And then that's when, by the way, that's when Adam named Eve Eve. Before that, she was woman. I have a whole thing about that in my, a book I wrote. But uh, here's, here's what I... And then God clothed them, right? You read the whole story. But here's the thing. Did God take away the multiplication uh, blessing that was on Adam and Eve after they sinned? No. The reason he took them out of the garden was so they don't stay in a permanent state in their sin. Now, here's how the devil translates that whole thing. When you mess up, God will take everything away from you. The reason why you have nothing is because God's punishing you because of something you did. No. He actually allowed them to use their gifts and abilities to cultivate and create the frame of reference they already knew. They knew what the garden looked like. They knew what it could do. So he put them outside of it and gave them the ability to create it again. That's what God did. God rescued them from their disobedience against him. They disobeyed God who they walked with for a snake who they were over. Do you see how easy it is to be deceived by the devil? Do you see how easy it is for God to come in and fix it without condemning you to death? 
They did that for themselves, and he came in trying to fix it so they don't die in their sin. The first thing he did was bring a redemptive option, which was buy the animals, kill it, clothe them, because they, they were concerned about being naked. He wasn't concerned that they were naked. But they were, so he killed an animal to cover them. Do you see? Many of the things that we end up asking God to do for us is because it happened because of our own disobedience. It's not because of how God planned for it to happen. But he still comes in and helps us. Isn't that amazing? I mean, seriously, if you read about his relationship with Israel, you'll see how many times they turned away from God like an adulterous wife would. And he still kept coming back to them. And he would punish the people who would do things to them while they were disobedient to him. Think about this. (laughs) So God is always watching out for us because he loves us. Not because he's watching out to see what we're doing wrong. He's watching out to protect us. To keep us under his wings. To to cover us. There's a scripture that says, uh, like a mother hen. Right? Um, Let me see here. Where the apple of his eye. I have the mother hen scripture somewhere. I don't know what verse it's in. But, (laughs) in my song. But... (laughs) So our way of showing that we love God is to obey him 100%. But in order to obey God, we got to know he's the one talking to us and not somebody else. In order to know that, we have to listen and read his word so we know what his style is. And then obey instructions as little as anything. And this way, you know you're on the right track. You know how he talks to you. You know the things he asks you to do are crazy for everybody else, but they're easy for you. That's how you start developing your relationship with God. Leave out all of the punishment things that the devil tells you because that messes up, that muddies the water. That brings you back comparing your relationship with God to other people, to another human. It cannot be compared My relationship with God cannot be compared to a human. I could talk to God faster than I can dial a number of a close, a speed dial number on my phone for somebody to come help me. Before I call them to help me, I talk to God first, and then I can make the, the call for somebody to help me. You understand how that works? God should be your default, default. And not in like, oh God, why are you doing this to me? You know when Jesus said that phrase, uh, uh, Lord, my Lord, my Lord, why hast thou forsaken me? He was carrying the sins of the world. When there's sin, that's when you think God forsake you. There was one time in my life that I was ever mad at God. In my whole life, one time. And the person I told it to was a narcissist who was out to get me and I didn't know at the time. And so I remember it was a Wednesday night after church and I said this to the person because two days later we had woven so I was saying I need to get my heart right before I teach for woven because I'm ticked off of God right now and the reason I was ticked off was because I had a miscarriage it was after Josiah Josiah was like two years old so I had a miscarriage and so I was mad at God because I was praying that I wouldn't have a miscarriage and this baby would come to fruition and it didn't happen so I was mad at God 
And so I'd never been mad at God in my life. Like I was thinking, I'd never been mad at God. Like, my gosh, this is what it feels like to be mad at God. I mean, I was ticked off. And so I'm telling this person, and they were like, well, and I thought to myself, they look quite satisfied, actually. Almost like finally she's human or something like that. And I thought, huh, later, year, later a couple of years, maybe within that same year I discovered, oh, I know why now. <laughs> Satan had been waiting for this for a long time. <laughs> finally told one of his agents it happened. But anyway, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so listen, I talked to God about it, you know, because I was so mad at God I didn't want to talk to him about it. I was like, I'm mad. I'm mad about this. This should never have happened. And I talked to God about it. He said, you know what, Fiona? It's all right. You can be mad at me. We have a love relationship. You can be mad at me. It's okay. But when you're ready, let's discuss it so we can see what really happened. And so when God said that to me, I was like, oh, well, thanks. That makes me feel better. Thank you. I'm not mad anymore. We're good. This is, that's who I was in that state in my life, all the hormones going cuckoo. And, and you know what I'm saying? As a woman and all these things going through your head, I was mad at God that he didn't come in and swoop in and just like do, rescue me like he did every time. And, and he allowed me to be mad. God's okay if you're mad at him. The, question, the thing is, don't do anything stupid while you're mad at him. <laughs> That's just, you know, he watches out for you so you don't do that, right? You're, you're a person. You have feelings. If you're in a love relationship, it goes back and forth. It goes, you know, you're not just a robot here, right? So when I, that was the last and only time I was ever mad at God. And from that experience, though, my relationship with God got better, and I understood loving God better. The devil's plan is for you to get further away from God when something bad happens. Because why didn't God help me? God's God. He's supposed to be God. Well, you see? And so I, so it, it made things worse for the devil now because his agent got revealed soon after. And incidentally, you know what topic I was teaching when that person was exposed? I was teaching about loving people, <laughs> actually. <laughs> and that's when everything blew up for 45 minutes. Yeah. The vomit of... Hatred came out. Um, <laughs> okay. First John 3, 1. First John 3, 1. Are you guys okay? Are you learning something? I'm, I'm, I'm calmly telling you this, but it's raging inside of me. <laughs> but I'm doing pretty good, I think. Uh, if Pastor Doug was here, say, so God loves you so much. This would be Pastor Doug. This is me. Lower my voice a little here. <laughs> 1 John 3, 1, see how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called the children of God. And such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. So when we are having conversations with people who don't know God very well, their view of God to you is going to be so washed down and in order for them not to feel bad you're going to feel obligated to oblige them but it would be like somebody trying to talk to me about pastor doug who i've been married for to for 26 years 
And so they just met him. Let's say they know him for a year. And they're trying to tell me about Pastor Doug. And I would just look and smile. Now, whatever they say, I've already known for, you know, 20 some years, most likely. And for me to now take my relationship with Pastor Doug and my knowledge of Pastor Doug to a one-year level because that's where they are and I don't want them to feel bad, that's kind of silly, isn't it? Like nobody would ever do that, right? Well, why do we do it with God? If we're not careful and our love with God is not tight, we will change our feelings towards God based on what other people are going through. And we do it so fluidly that we don't even know it's happening. Do you remember the period of time where all the pastors were in scandals, you know, and they did this and they did that, and everybody was like, it's such a thing, it's a terrible thing for the church, and all these Christians are falling away. Why are they falling away from a person? I mean, because a person sinned. Like, that's what people do. They sin. What does that have to do with your relationship with God? Why is your relationship so weak that you've been following God through a person? Like, that's crazy. Like, think about it. Imagine your marriage being so weak that because the, the partner, sister, or brother did something, you fall away from the spouse because you're like, we don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> so we better cut it off now because we don't know. <laughs> you, see, you see how silly it is when you put it in perspective? But the devil has it so locked in with all the messages he gives that people think it's normal to think that way about God. Because God's so powerful and so great. If he wanted to, he could have. Yeah, he, he's waiting. <laughs> he's really waiting to do. But he can't because we said no. <laughs> or we didn't follow an instruction to get it going. You understand? You with me? Ah, you guys, if you see your faces. <laughs> You'd be like, okay, and now the speech is over. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, my gosh. There's so much more. There's many verses to this song that we didn't get through. We'll have to do a second set. Uh, <laughs> All right, First um, John 4, 8, let's end with that. I'm going to the conclusion of the song because it's quarter to 12. Um, actually, Mark 12, let's go to Mark 12. Mark 12, 29 to 31. And this was somebody questioning Jesus about how they can get to God like Jesus is to God. Like, how do I be like you? Pretty much is what it is, if you read the context. Jesus said, the first and principal one of all commands is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord God is, our, is one God, and you shall love the Lord your God out of and with your whole heart. You have to love God with your heart, not with your mind first. Like, it has to come, if it comes out of the heart, that means whatever you know about him has been secured in there. You're not still thinking about it. You understand? The baseline of your love for God is what's in your heart, okay? And out of and with all of your soul, and out of and with all of your mind, your faculty of thought, and your moral understanding, and out of and with all your strength. This is the first and principal commandment. The second is like it and is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So as a believer, you have to master these things. You have to master these three things. But you have to love God first for the other two to work. So if you're having a problem loving yourself, loving who you are, what you do, 
stop for a minute and examine your relationship with God, something's off. You can't love God so good and still be mad at yourself. Because you're having conversations with God about you, he ain't mad at you. (laughs) So who's giving you this bad feedback? That's what you have to find out. Who's telling you this stuff about yourself? Who's been talking to you about you when there's God there wanting to talk to you about you? And if we don't stop and listen to what he has to say about us every day, in the moment of the day, we will pick up what other people say to us in their way of doing things, even if they don't say anything to us. We'll start comparing ourselves to them and judging ourselves by what we see the product of other people's work doing. Now, whatever we think about ourselves is how we're going to love our neighbor. So we can't go higher than that. It's a principle in the Bible. It's how it's set up. So you may think you love other people more than you love yourself, but it's not true. You're still holding back if you don't like yourself. Does that make sense? The relationship to fix is our relationship with God. And many times when people hear this, they think of like salvation, you know, receiving Jesus. Now here's a key. Your relationship with God comes with the, uh, the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. This is a gift from God. Jesus told the people, 500 of them, 120, waited in the upper room, Acts chapter 2. He told them, go and wait for a gift. Wait for it. I, I have something for you. He didn't tell them what it was. In my sermon, the one... Uh, Wednesday, I talked about, you know, they, didn't ha- they weren't taking language classes while they were up there. Like, you know, hey, guys, I think God's going to fall like fire. And I just think, like, you know, we got to be prepared, and he's going to want us to go do something. None of that was happening. They were up there, and their goal was, you know what was happening? They were developing their love for one another is what was happening. You get locked up in a room for 50 days, you better do something. Something's going to happen. And they loved God because they obeyed an instruction. So they went, right? And then the Holy Spirit came in like wind and fire, nothing they could have ever imagined. First experience, wind, fire. They didn't see that with Jesus. Like, you know, the Holy Spirit didn't come on Jesus. He came like a dove. (laughs) Remember when Jesus got baptized? Yeah. Wind and fire, and then they went out, and they... So you have the opportunity to have the language of the Holy Spirit as part of your package of communication with God. When you speak in tongues to God and for God, there is the gap that nobody could touch because they don't know what on earth is going on. So God gave you the opportunity to have a language that you alone could have with him and for him. How have you been nurturing that, that language? Have you been speaking it? Have you been utilizing it? Have you been asking him to interpret it? Have you been, you see, you see we go from loving God to speaking in tongues. But I'm telling you, Who is it that tells you, you can't speak in tongues, you didn't speak in tongues, it's not working, it's not for today, or who who tell you that? It ain't God, I'll tell you that much. (laughs) Because he wants you to have the gift. 
Does he not? I mean, he gave the gift. He wants us to have it. You know, I, I posted on Facebook that I was reading Acts chapter 2 and Peter got up and preached, you know, after all speaking in tongues and talking to the people and they were like, you're drunk or whatever. I said, what language did Peter, Peter preach in? Because 3,000 people got saved that day and he was talking his language. You ever thought about that? I mean, he was preaching. He told them the whole thing from beginning to end and they got saved. How powerful is the Holy Ghost? We, he, he was like their real-time interpreter. So whatever Peter was saying, they were hearing what they got to hear in their language. Think about this, folks. This is the supernatural things that we have between us and God, and we water it down so much that we consider our relationship with God how, based on what's happening on the external, coordinated by the devil, by the way. And, and, and then we go around thinking that we're not good enough, that God doesn't love us enough. You know, something, we did something wrong. We're being punished. Next time something bad happens to you, rebuke it as a work of the devil, right? And ask the Lord to correct you in anything that needs correction so you don't keep in that line of fire. Let's put it that way, right? You know when uh, you watch these movies? I love, I love action-adventure movies, this more planes and guns and ah, I like that kind of stuff. So um, I also love what used to be the Hallmark movies till they changed their, you know, what they call a relationship, which is a joke. I used to watch those when I didn't want to pay attention because I could watch any time and I know exactly what will happen. So, but these action adventures, you know, when I want to intensity and just want to pay attention, I'm like in there. But, what was I going with that? I don't even know. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. You know how when they go into a building, right, and they have a team in a van park somewhere, and they're telling them, go turn right, you know, there's three bodies coming to your left, and blah, blah. This is what God does for us. Yeah. So this is why it's important to obey the instruction. You understand what I'm saying? Like, like you know, sometimes they'll override the um, operations of the building, you know, the electronic thing, and they'll say, okay, I need you to open elevator two and blah, blah. This is what God does for us. Yeah. Yeah. He overrides the enemy's operation yeah. when he sends you in a place, and then he says, I need you to go to this door, knock on, I need you to do that, that, that. Ah! And then we're standing there going, is it God? <laughs> <laughs> or is it still the enemy's uh, computer system that's telling me to do Whose earpiece do you have in? Do you understand? And here's, here's what I do. When I don't know for sure, I start praying in tongues. And guess what? All of a sudden, I know. <laughs> because the Holy Spirit prays a perfect prayer through us. So if something has to be cleared in the atmosphere and you don't know what has to be cleared, start talking in tongues. It'll move. And then, you, and then you can hear clearly what God has to say. We don't have to live a defeated life ever when the love of our life is God. Right. This is how we should think. No matter who came and went from your life, they should be erased as far as their connection to tell you what to do. You, you should always listen to God. He is the one that tells you what to do. You know, Pastor Doug is like where he is. And if I have to make a decision and it involves our family or something, I can make those decisions because I know what he would do. We have this agreement. We know 
what, what we've decided. You know what I'm saying? Or we know how the other person would think. We can make that decision. You could, do you, if you read the Old Testament with these prophets and stuff that did major things, do you know, you don't hear them say, when, 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 Elijah, when Elijah or Elisha, which one ever one of them, Elijah, when he called down fire with the Baal, did God, was there a scripture in between there? And God said, Elijah, this is what you're going to do. Did we ever read that? No. But he knew what to do. He was in relationship with God. And he was moving. If God didn't want him to do that, he would have interrupted at some point. Do you understand? I live with the concept that I'm going to do what God showed me to. Like, I'm just going to do. There's some things you just know how to do. And if it's something else God wants, he has permission to correct me mid-action. I don't wait till I get all of the instructions. And then I go, okay, God, I'll start tomorrow. (laughs) No, I see every instruction from God as hot off the press. Hot off the press. I get it going right away. Like even if I can't finish it, I know, and I know I can't finish it, I get it going. You see what I'm saying? And, And that's my relationship with God. What is your relationship with God like? How long does he have to wait to hear? I mean, are you playing hard to get? Like, like seriously, like how, how much more luring does he have to do to convince you that he would like to be the love of your life <laughs> and yet he's not good enough? <laughs> like, who is better than him? Like, you actually have somebody better than him and he still has to prove himself. He's God! <laughs> do you see where this is going, church? But this is how, this is how silly it is. But the devil makes it so like, oh, he's a mystery. Yeah, to those who don't know him. Where God's not a mystery to those of us that know him. Right. I I mean, my time is up, so I have to stop. (laughs) I skipped a couple verses and went to the ending, you know. Um, if you'd like the song, I don't think CCLI will take it, but we can, <laughs> I can post it. Uh, um, you want to go? We're gonna we're gonna sing this song, "The Goodness of God." I love you. The first line, "I love you, Lord." I just I was thinking about how good God is and how much I love Him, and I was like, "Oh my God, we I haven't visited that for so long, and it needs to be done. Like we should just do it every day." Like, especially when somebody else loves you that's a human on earth. Well, you know, I don't know how animals tell you they love you, but humans tell you they love you. Or they do an act for you. You should, you should think of God and how much more he loves you. You know? Don't let God's gestures to you of love go unanswered. Don't let it go unanswered. Respond. He's not, he's not a pharaoh. He's Jesus. Look what Jesus did. That's the demonstration of who God is to us. He hung on a cross for us. He took our place. Don't you hear like parents say if their child is sick or something's happening to their child, they always say, like, I wish I could take their place. Like, I wish it was me instead of them. God didn't, God didn't just wish that. He actually did it. He actually did it. He came and took our place on a cross. A shameful death for us. And we still have to question whether he loves us. Come on. 
We're better than that. Aren't we, church? Let's stand together. Let's stand together. Come on. We're, um, that's fine. We're going we're gonna to sing this song. What I want is if you don't have the gift of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues and you would like to receive it, I would like you to come up for prayer because that is a key link in your communication with God so that you can have a language that nobody can interrupt. And this is a way that you and God can have, you can plan exploits together by speaking this language. Amen? I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails. All my days have been held in your hand. From the moment that I wake up, Till I lay my head down, I will see of the goodness of God. Oh, and all my life you have been faithful, yeah. And all my life you have been so, so good. Every darkest night you are close like no other I love you as a father I love you as a friend and I have lived in the goodness oh yeah come on evidence of speaking in tongues that you're not currently doing that this is your opportunity to do that if you're already filled with the holy ghost and you haven't been utilizing it you need to start utilizing it as a matter of fact let's do that right now let's just pray in tongues Kila matohoro bo shehe rebedida na masa. Kila mahoro bo rebede rebeshi. Ika mahahaha. Erebehe rebesi ka hanama rebede meshi ka namase. Ika hanama shoho lobore. Ika nama shoho lobore. Kila mase rebeshi ka namase rebesi. Ika hanama. 
cutting off branches of communication that are like suckers on people's lives that are disrupting your communication with them. I thank you, Father, that those branches are being clipped off and put in their rightful places so that your communication with your children can be pure and clear and straight and it can be unhindered. Hallelujah, we worship you in this place. Come on, just worship him. to declare from this church, from this house, that we love you. We love you, Lord. We're thankful for you. We're thankful that you have a way to communicate with us. We're thankful that you have set things in place for us years ahead of where we are now. We thank you, Lord, that you know every hair on our head. We thank you that you have set things up to protect us like a mother hen with her chicks. We thank you, Father, that you've given us an internal communication signal with you, the voice of the Holy Spirit, that even if we said it out loud, the devil still does not know what's going on. We thank you, Father, that as we build and see, Father, give us a vision of our relationship with you and your plans and what you would like it to be. Let us strengthen our relationship with you more, Father. And Lord, I pray as a benefit, as a side effect, that our relationship with each other will grow. It will become the fruit of our relationship with you, Father. I bless these people today, Lord. I pray that the words that were spoken will come forth with much fruit, with unhindered fruit. Father, with with wisdom beyond what they have learned, that they will just get an impact. They will get a revelation of your love, Father. I thank you, Lord, for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. Amen. Do you feel like you love God a little more? You're getting a clear picture of what it looks like to be a part of his family. There is no black sheep in God's family, I'll tell you that. (laughs) They're just children waiting to obey. That's it. He's still watching out over us. He's still watching us. I mean, he watches you when you wake up in the morning. He's been watching you all night. (laughs) Hallelujah. He gives his beloved sweet sleep. That's what he does for us. This is who our God is. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, God bless you. We're going to celebrate right over there. Pastor Nelson's uh, graduation. We're going to celebrate with him. So stay back. Let's have some, you know, celebration. Amen. God bless you.